Welcome to Dash Talk, a podcast by Relationt, where we explore new ways to simplify healthcare access. We examine new and emerging trends in healthcare to help address challenges with the patient experience and identify new strategies and solutions to drive better access to care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dash Talk brought to you by Relation. I'm your host for today, Gabrielle, and today I'm joined by CEO Justin Knott and President Kelly Knott at Entropy and VP of Marketing at Relation, Josh Bird. And today we're going to be talking about challenges within the healthcare landscape and how to overcome them in order to deliver the best patient experience. It's going to be a great conversation, and I'm looking forward to it. So welcome, everyone. Yeah, thanks for having us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm excited to talk Absolutely. about this. Absolutely, Gabby. Yeah, let's go ahead and start uh, with uh, talking a little bit about your organization and just your roles within it. Yeah, absolutely. So we're a healthcare marketing agency in Trippy Healthcare Marketing. We're closing in on the, the decade mark, which is really exciting. And, and Kelly, who is my wife, uh, and I started this journey together almost 10 years ago. And a lot of things have changed. We've moved states. We have a two-year-old <laughs> daughter now. Uh, but I'm, I'm the CEO. I run a lot of the day-to-day uh, operations side of things. And then Kelly's big focus inside of the organization with all of her background is content development. Um, and I'll let her kind of introduce herself and the role that she plays at Entropy. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we're married. So that's the first thing everyone asks. No, we're not brother and sister. <laughs> we are married. Um, so the agency's a lot different today than it was when we started, but we're really excited about the 10-year mark coming up. Um, so my role, I really focus on relations and kind of marketing in that old-fashioned way, and then as well as content development. I really focused on the healthcare relationship between providers and their target audience, their patients, in um, a content level or a way to promote who they are and why they're the best at it. And J- Justin really focuses more on like the digital execution. So we do have our strengths and our weaknesses, and I feel like that's what makes us so unique is because we balance each other out. So I spent a lot of time in and out of offices, getting to know surgeons, and and he really, really, really put in a lot of effort to understand the processes of targeting patients online and how they're searching and what is that part of the journey look like. So I think when we combine together at Entropy, we have kind of all of the best of the healthcare world. Thank you for sharing that, Justin and Kelly. And, you know, I'd love to know the backstory behind Entropy. What ultimately inspired you to create uh, this organization and what specifically made you want to get into the healthcare space? That is a great story. Um, I, right out of college, was working for a huge organization, an ENT organization in the Southeast. I think it was the largest at the time. Um, And pretty soon I was kind of thrown to the wolves and I was promoted to be head of marketing. So I had spent a lot of my time making connections with over 500 physicians in that area, day-to-day walking in and out, building referral relationships, understanding the processes of marketing. And I realized that that network had become a huge value and asset for me as an individual, that people would pay to have access to my network and personal relationships and contacts So I had this great idea that I would start a marketing agency to help build referrals for providers, um, physician liaison marketing. And an idea is something, but what I didn't know was business. And so I think when we started dating, I realized there were a lot of holes in having a dream to build an agency. There's a whole lot more into it than just being really good at what you do. 
And Justin just absolutely took the reins. I mean, he was a businessman straight from the yeah, beginning. My, my background actually was in the early stage investing side of things. And we started probably 50 companies in the first organization I worked for out of college. And that's how we started working together. Yeah. And we were really fortunate to have a really good mentor early on that advised us way ahead of what's now thousands of healthcare marketing agencies oh, yeah. around he the country. So he said, Kelly's got a network and you're in a large healthcare city in Atlanta. Focus on that. You'll be able to become competitive a lot faster than trying to go toe to toe with large national agencies. And she has a, literally a family history that is deep rooted on not only in healthcare, but in orthopedics. And so it just made sense. And so she really was the light bulb moment. Like you can make money off of we were managing social millions media. millions and millions <laughs> for these surgeons. Yeah. And so it was like, you know what? We should do this on her own. Yep. And so we really just based on her, her journey so far, it just made a lot of sense to focus in healthcare. And we're really glad that we, oh, we did so it's been not only recession proof, but very, uh, even everything that happened with COVID really changed the whole entire landscape of how practices are thinking about connecting with patients and building a direct to consumer relationship, which so long has really been predicated on referrals. So we're glad that we did. It's been a, it's been a fun journey so far. And we yeah. really, that's all we do is we only work with multi-location surgical yeah. practices. Well, and I'm sure Josh, you know, too, like marketing's changed yes. a lot, right? It Even has. in the last five years, the idea of owning a marketing agency was a marketing right. agency, but I'm pretty dull or numb to a lot of different types of marketing. Like I don't do retail marketing. I don't understand a lot of service marketing because I'm in healthcare and I'm sure you could speak more to that, Josh, but it's fun to be so segmented and pick where you're really, really good at and, and where you know your marketing fits and healthcare was definitely ours. Well, fundamentally, you know, marketing, I tell my team all the time that we are not in the business of, you know, making people buy things or making people do things. We're really in right, the business absolutely. of building relationships and, mm -hmm. and influencing the way people think about um, that which we were marketing. For me, it's relation, you know, and I want to influence the way that these provider groups are thinking about um, relation. And you guys are really helping influence, you know, how they're thinking about their relationships with their patients, right? Um, and and acquiring new patients, right? And putting themselves out there to um, to gain new patients that they can then serve and bring them into their, um, you know, provider group. And so it's really uh, interesting um, how little that these provider groups kind of um, think marketing, but I think it's because we're marketers. And so that's the first thing we think right. of, right? The first thing they think of is taking care of their patients, but it's really about sure. these relationships and, um, and uh, you know, just establishing uh, that credibility and influencing the way that they think uh, or those, those patients think about that practice. I, I couldn't agree more. And and yeah. you and I have actually even talked about it, Josh, uh, one of the Zoom calls that we had, but and I'm sure you've seen it in relation and, and dash as y'all continue to transform your organization. We're still at the tip of the iceberg. The patient, I think, is is ahead, but healthcare lags three to five years behind, like almost every other industry in terms of tech. But the patient has never been more um, hungry to connect directly with the physician and learn from them. And the physicians are becoming younger, the ones that are entering the marketplace and coming out of fellowship, and they grew up in a social media age. 
and they want that interconnectivity. They want the ability to educate and leave a legacy online. And there's a changing of the guard that's occurring. And it's still at the tip of the iceberg on the physician side, but it's really exciting because COVID accelerated that rapidly. It disconnected everybody on a personal level and connected them online. And now we have a unique opportunity to put physicians in front of patients and educate them in their healthcare journey. Well, you know, yeah, just- and, and on, on top of that, I'm sorry, uh, no, no, on ahead. top of that, what we're seeing too is the shifting of um, patient responsibility. So patients are responsible yeah. for more of the cost of their healthcare. And I don't know about you guys, but as I'm paying more and more for things, my expectations change quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. From the engagement side to the experience side to the research side, all of it. Because if you're going to pay $1,000 here or 1200 here, then I'm going to go to the one that provides the best. That's care. right. Absolutely. I want the best yeah. for my family and myself. And, um, and, and, you know, it was interesting. Salesforce put out a report earlier this year that talked about um, how much um, patients choose their providers based on the technology that they use, how easy it is to get in, how easy it is for them to communicate with that um, practice, um, and also their perception, right? Their perception of how technologically advanced that practice is. They could have the best, you know, um, scanners and x-ray machines and all of that stuff, but if on their website or their social media presence, they look antiquated, then a, a patient may pass judgment on that, uh, right or wrong. But that's the way that um, this online society is doing now. Absolutely. For yeah. Sure. I mean, the patient expectation as far as the physician experience has exploded, I think, in the opinion of just we expect more time from our providers. If you're going to see a specialist, you want to see a specialist. And I think gone are the days where your specialist walks in for five minutes. And sometimes that's just out of the physician's control. So to increase that feeling of more time with a provider, I think technology has really come into play. And that's where I think what you're talking about is really starting to happen where people are picking this because of that feeling of more information, more resources, and most importantly, a connection directly to a medical specialist versus, you know, being on hold and stuff. It's, It's all about that connection piece. Well, Justin and Kelly, we kind of naturally segued into this conversation, but, you know, along this journey, I'm sure there's been plenty of challenges. We're talking about a very significant one with the introduction of COVID and the aftermath of that. So I would love it if you could tell us just a little bit more about the challenges that your clients on the client side are experiencing uh, that have ultimately led them to seek Entropy's help. And just as a follow up to that, how are you helping solve these challenges in the industry? Well, I think that's really more two questions in the sense of you have the natural, I think a lot of our clients are also looking to stand out for their subspecialties. So I think that happened before COVID as well. But this this desire to have a need of identity to explain their content, why they're the best and the best of the best at what they do, you know, their fellowship. I think a lot of people wanted to tell their story without the hassle of doing it themselves and they wanted some understanding. And I think Justin really kind of jumped on the ball with COVID. We had a different need from clients as well. And that was digitizing. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I I think probably the biggest struggle is, is with such a rapid growth in consumerization and healthcare and patients surging online. And I mean, even thinking three to five years ago, 
running ad campaigns that are generating 1,500 to 2,000 patient appointments in orthopedics was unheard of. And now you have people that are going direct direct to an orthopedic versus going to their PCP and getting referred. And that has really changed everything. So now these surgical groups are having to stand up and, uh, and reevaluate themselves online. And it's a struggle to understand not only with rapid changing in the localization of everything. I mean, literally just in the last two weeks, Google My Business has not only changed to a totally different name, but now you can't even manage it through their manager anymore. It's all done through the front-facing search. So everything is constantly changing. So probably the biggest challenge is they come to us and they've either been just just raked across the coals by a previous agency through lack of transparency, um, blown ad um, expenditures with very little results or um, even visibility on what they're doing. And that's where Dash and us actually come in and work beautifully together is how do we, what should we be focusing on? What is going to be effective, especially as we move into 2023 and where should we be spending our dollars to actually drive patients? So they're really looking for a strategic relationship with us, not only just pure execution, like go and manage my search ads, but what is going to move the needle the most, make us stand out in a crowded market and uh, position ourselves to rank really well for our treatments and conditions, which is ultimately what matters the most is, oh, yeah. is, is increasing patient volume and keeping care at a high level at the yeah. same time. Well, now as we start talking strategy, you know, maybe what are some other ways that provider groups uh, should consider to make sure that they're delivering uh, just a high quality patient experience throughout the continuum of care? Like what are some avenues they can go to? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. P- patient engagement softwares like what Dash provides actually is, are huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have be, they have been quickly pushed to the forefront as EHRs have really been chasing their tail trying to solve for that. And so having these intermediary patient engagement platforms that can um, do a lot of HIPAA compliant conversation, which is what patients have been asking for a long time. They can do reputation management. Reputation is a huge yeah, key. Absolutely. From going to Kelly's side of referral development, you can have huge leakage oh, yeah. and bad reputation, and then much less talking about its influence over search and ranking at the top for a specific condition or treatment. Uh, and Josh, you can speak to this a lot. It, it's really about providing um, a software kind of like yeah. what you have to allow for scheduling and reputation management and conversations. Well, it's an interesting, uh, it's two sides of the same coin, right? On the, on the one hand, you need um, partners (laughs) like you guys to get the patient to the website. Honestly, it all starts on the web these days, right? It may start in social media, um, but ultimately, even if they go, you know, into Um, say, an Instagram page for an orthopedic practice, they end up, if they need an appointment, they generally end up on the website, right? And so even if they have done a great job of um, acquiring new patients that way, you guys have done an awesome job of setting this high bar for the experience that the patient is getting, right? You have put out there and helped these physicians put out there why they're the best, like you said, Kelly. And then they need an experience to actually, you know, either chat with that um, provider group or schedule an appointment or, um, you know, find out more information. And that's really where Relation um, and our Dash platform comes in is really helping those hard-earned new patients that you've gotten to that 
point and continuing that great experience through the chat, through the information gathering and ultimately scheduling process and making it easy both for the patients to navigate and the provider group to administer. I, I completely agree. And it's not something directly that either of us solve, but I know you've seen it a lot. And even in our personal health journeys for Kelly and I, I think there's a growing frustration on the patient side that practices really need to keep in full focus, especially if we want to keep growing. And that's just purely lead times and getting people yeah. through the door. Like I struggle with migraines and you can't find a neurologist in Orlando for under six to nine month wait. Like well, people, somebody has got to solve for that and actually care about the patient and then being able to get, get in the yeah. door. And I think some of the challenges are these physicians want to be physicians. They want to be surgeons and sure. sometimes they join these groups for that ability so that they don't have to be the businessman, so they don't have to run everything. And I think there's kind of this overused term in marketing, and it's just one more thing they have to learn and one more thing they have to do. And same with the staff. These are staff members that are already juggling right. three different positions. So when you can find a process that delivers that high patient engagement, as well as resources that start saving them time, or ways that a physician can feel comfortable. I think that's one of the biggest challenges is trying to convince them of this new tech isn't going to be like switching to a new EMR. You know, it just, they're so burned out on some of these big things and they just wanna be surgeons and they don't wanna have to deal with this. Um, and they wanna understand is this new patient engagement going to add new hurdles and new ways that they have to learn new things or is it gonna be easier for them? And I think once they really get started, they understand like, this is what I needed the entire time, as well as the staff. They're ready for these processes to be automated. They're ready for this type of engagement, and they understand that the patient is then happier as a result. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, that the backside of that experience is helping those doctors. You know, one of the things that we um, do at Relation is help them understand kind of appointment slotting, right? You know, they may only take one or two migraine appointments a week based on their preferences. But oftentimes these doctors only have, you know, two thirds of their schedule full a day. And so helping them say, hey, you know, maybe five days before, let's open up this other third and see, you know, that if we can get more patients in the door and start to solve that long lead time problem, right? Because it, it is a continuum from the time you acquire a new patient all the way through the experience. And we just did a huge um, survey with um, MGMA that found that that scheduling piece is often where it breaks down, right? And so we're working to solve that so that your hard work is not lost in getting those patients in the door. Yeah, the, the self-scheduling is a huge game changer. It's such an antiquated process still. And, and we, even through our partnership together, have really been trying to push as, as many people that direction as possible because it is it is the most probably frustrating experience in terms of the patient engagement is nobody cares about answering the phone hardly at any practice anymore. And even if they wanted to, they can be so overloaded they can't. And the ability, it's like a breath of fresh air when you go on a website and they have a self-scheduling option. Yeah, you feel like sure. you know exactly what the availability is. You know you can get booked. You know you're not going to have to wait on hold or leave a voicemail and pray that they call back. Like the, that whole thing is... The phone tag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the ability to track like y'all have with, through Tag Manager and, and uh, GA4, Google Analytics 4 and all of that. It's just everybody should should be buying into it. And I know it 
it's scary for, and I'd love to hear your opinion, Josh, because you guys deal with thousands of practices. Probably the biggest pushback we get is the physician does not want to make their, doesn't want to open themselves up to patients, like knowing their availability or them being out of control, their control of their schedule. And it's like, it actually puts you in more control because you're time blocking for what you want to see and when you want to see and it can't get out of control. Right, right. You know, it's interesting. Um, As consumers, we want what I I call the Delta experience. I want to go to, you know, Las Vegas. I go on, I find the flight I want. I find the seat I want. Um, I price shop if I need to price shop. And I book the, the ticket all online. I might do it at, you know, 10 p.m. after my kids go to bed because that's when it's available to me. And there's even a chat widget now where you can chat if you have a question about the flight. You know, that as a consumer is what we want. But what we see is that the doctors do not want to give up that control. And it is based in a real fear that at the one time when they didn't have control, um, their schedule was just crazy and it wasn't sustainable. So I totally understand where they're coming from, but what we're seeing with some of these more forward-thinking provider groups is really about um, loosening the reins ever so slightly. We were talking to a couple of our customers at our recent customer advisory board, and one um, said, we convinced our doctors to let us have one slot per day to try to put whatever we wanted into it. Um, And if it didn't work, we would pull it back. Well, what happened um, was after about a month, they went to the providers and they said, how are those slots working out that we're booking that are not within your sort of uh, tight guardrail rules? And they said, well, which ones were those? They didn't even realize that... um, that more had been added and their schedule was better utilized, but it was done in a very prescriptive way based on data, you know, and that's more revenue into the practice as well, right? Because if you have these high, high licensed physicians only working 80% of their schedule, that's 20% revenue leakage, or that's one way you could look at it. Can you fill that up? Um, And that would become more, um, sustainable for that business. Um, and so those are, those are the type of things that we're trying to help push, but in healthcare, like you said, it's a gentle push. It's a nudge. It's not a, this is the way you should change everything top to bottom tomorrow because you'd really freak some people out that way. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Nothing happens. fast. You know, as a continuation of patient engagement strategy, it's conversation, you know, Josh, as VP of marketing, you know, what are your thoughts on social media in terms of healthcare organizations using that as a tool? Just how should they be approaching their social media for patient engagement strategy? Well, Justin and Kelly are the pros here, but I firmly believe that you can't do without it anymore. It is just as vital as your website these days. Um, you know, we call it in marketing a hub and spoke strategy. Um, and, you know, if your website is, is the hub and that's where relations technology sits and lives, you know, how do you get those um, patients in? And especially depending on your um, target patient population, social media 
is invaluable, especially if you're ta targeting uh, younger generations or millennials, or maybe you're targeting athletes, right? I know you guys work with orthopedic groups a lot. You know, well, um, the athletes are on social media talking about what they do and how well they do it, you know, whether they're a pitcher or a football player, or quarterback or, or what have you, they're on social media. And, um, you know, I know here in Atlanta, um, the biggest orthopedic group is the one that serves the Atlanta Braves. You know, that's every baseball player from age six to through college wants to be worked on by the same doctor that treats the superstars that we all look up to here in Atlanta. Um, and that's really marketing. I mean, yes, they're fantastic doctors, but how do they know that that's the, you know, the official um, orthopedic practice of the Atlanta Braves? Well, they make sure they're on social media telling them. Yeah, specific to athletes, now that the NIL stuff is in play, is everybody wants to be TikTok famous when Absolutely. they arrive uh, at their NCAA college of choice because it could be very lucrative. For yeah. Them. Well, social media provides them with an outlet to tell their story. So, social media to me is so crucial for clients, but it is the beginning as far as a marketing process. The worst thing you can do for social media is have a wonderful social media with not a marketing process in place to really mm. capture these leads or follow through. Yeah. Um, I know like with some of our clients, like a good example is you were just talking about sports medicine. That's interesting. You bring that up. Social media is a great way to talk about sports medicine. A lot of patients just assume that's something orthopedics put at the end of what they do, but there's a reason that there's a difference between sports medicine and general orthopedics. And that's because they're really involved with the movement and, and different types of injuries and what that looks like long-term. And if you go to someone who's maybe more general, that type of surgery or repair will look different. Yes. And so social media provides that outlet to then educate someone who is an athlete, a marathon runner on why it's so important not to go to your local one, maybe who's a little bit closer with great reviews, who probably is a great surgeon, then maybe seeing someone who's a sports surgeon and specializes in these type of injuries or repairs and how to make sure the longevity is there for a marathon runner versus fixing a problem. So I think social media allows a physician to be the expert and put their voice out there and it's just about consistency. And I think a lot of people get in their head with TikTok. TikTok is a Gen Z thing, you know? We're talking right now a totally different thing. As long as you're the expert and you get up and you say what it is and what you do, people are hungry and they're thirsty to know who is this surgeon, what do they do? And if they think you're the best, they're going to go to you. And you start to really define your audience. So the leads you're pulling in are people that are following you, that like you, that support you. And I think you can really start targeting those high-end revenue surgeries and procedures or just what you generally love as a surgeon to do and fill your schedule with the surgeries you love. Um, and I think that can provide that. And what I also love about social media is social media is the hub for search and engagement. Yes. So you don't have to be a social media celebrity or star to just absolutely see the effect. So social media is designed to put content that is engaged, that is all about the topic first. It also uses different kinds of filters that you could never use even on, on the internet yeah. um, because you're just using straight content and who's engaging with it. So things like hashtags really do play a big part 
especially even on social media of targeting maybe the patients that you want to put your content in front of. You can also see who's actively engaging and talking about this type of surgery online. And those are the people you want to connect with, who you want to support and who you want to engage with because they're going to help your social media. So I think social media is first and foremost telling your story and about being the expert. And then I think it's education. It is what is the difference of this, what to expect about this, the three biggest mistakes you cannot do, post-op best practices. So I think it's just such a great way for a physician to be an expert. And then lastly, it is such a great way to find targeted individuals, information and content and see who's engaging online and actively looking for these things. So I think not having a social media, you're already way behind and you don't need to be famous to make yeah. a difference. You just need to think of social media just like the web is it has rights and wrongs. So follow the rules as far as what is your layout optimization? What really matters? Does it matter if you're in Florida, if someone from Denmark is commenting and liking, or does it matter if you have less people that are in your region talking about what you're talking about? So I think social media is absolutely essential, but I think a lot of people get it in their head. If you're not an influencer, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, I think, I, I think it's huge for, um, for education. You mentioned education. It, just since we're on the topic of orthopedics and sports medicine, you know, uh, content like, you know, how not to get an injury, how to warm up properly so that you don't hurt your shoulder when you're pitching, things, things like that, um, I see go a long way um, towards building that trust and building that reputation as the thought leader. You know, you're not just saying, I was talking to a surgeon, he said, how many times can I say that I do knee surgery on the web? And I was like, you shouldn't ever say you do knee surgery. You should talk about stretching. You should talk about the, the benefits of, you know, making sure you're staying healthy and fit, you know, and if you need knee surgery, then I happen to do knee surgery, right? And so it's that building that relationship and reputation management that y'all mentioned earlier that I think social media is so key for. Oh yeah, and then as the surgeon, you can actually help patients too. You can provide a better patient experience. So a good example is there's orthopedic oncologist, my brother's one, so he deals a lot with sarcomas and cysts, and there's a difference there. And if you go to the wrong surgeon, who, not that it makes them a bad surgeon, but they're not necessarily trained in this area who touches a particular lump or sarcoma or cyst or tumor, it can greatly affect the patient because cancer is aggressive. Yeah. So then by the time you see the oncologist, because it wasn't the right surgeon, the specialist, the one who did their fellowship in this training, even though it was an orthopedic surgeon, you can end up with, you know, stage four. Right. And so the difference between educating patients on this is why I'm an orthopedic musculoskeletal oncologist surgeon and why you should go to them when you have a lump on your bone versus going to a general surgeon or an orthopedic surgeon. I mean, my brother sees probably at least, what do you think, 20% of his patients come in with cancer mm. that was dealt with incorrectly. And it can be the matter of life and death. And it doesn't mean they're bad surgeons that did it. It's just that kind of specially trained surgeon to remove something like a tumor is a big deal. And you can use platforms like social media to differentiate yourself as subspecialist and, and really kind of talk about 
why we stand out even in our own specialty as orthopedics, sports medicine, oncology, you know, upper extremity. I think it's really big. Yeah, I, I agree. My, my my probably two biggest pieces of advice are, I think are pretty simple in nature, but they are often missed. The mark is missed. There's very few practices out there that are having a, what I would call tremendous success on social. And I think there's two primary reasons why is one, pick your platform and two, pick the medium that matches that platform. I think too often you get overwhelmed because you try to be a um, a jack of all trades and a master of none. And you can't, it's very difficult if you look at even any large social influencer, like the one I have sitting next to me, <laughs> she's massive on LinkedIn. All the content that we push is designed specifically to natively be posted in video right. format on LinkedIn. Yes, we do break down that content to be distributed elsewhere, but we know the client we're going after is there. And whether you're trying to connect with colleagues and build influence right. or you're trying to connect with patients, Pick a, pick a platform and become a master of that and use a social management tool to distribute elsewhere. And the other is your medium. We have cl clients that constantly come to us and say a med spa or an ortho group. And it's like, we want to be big like that one down the road. Well, that one down the road is committed to creating video right. content consistently. And we're not going to win unless you agree to do the same. And you may be well-intended, but you've got to put processes in place to consistently create video. And yeah. I think those are probably the two biggest things is videos. Typically, I think the, the winner when it comes to connecting with patients and you got to pick the right platforms that match that, that you can consistently create content. And I'd have to add, pick your voice. Yeah, yeah that, sure. that yeah. matters so much. And I think people um, don't put enough thought and energy into that um, part of it. And a, a big thing about it is just getting started. Like if you're video, like it's been a journey for us, even starting our podcast it took me, I did five months of all the editing myself. And then finally we figured out exactly what we wanted our process to look like. And we went and we outsourced that process. But most people are arrested and never see success because they never go out and start it. It's why like 90% of podcasts never make it past the 10th episode. Yeah, yeah. You just got to get going. You're going to learn the hard way, but you're going to learn. And that learning process will put you ahead of 99% of people if you stay. Yeah, there. I saw a quote this morning from Simon Sinek, who is a, a big marketing influencer. And he said, yeah. it doesn't oh, yeah. matter, you know, if you started late, it doesn't matter if, you know, you got a slow start. What matters is you start. And the second thing that matters yeah. is that you keep going. Yep. And, um, yeah, yeah, I was going to say that's, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the differentiator between a yeah. lot. It's hard. It's really it, hard. Social media and marketing builds. Um, and, and so you've got to have that kind of tenacity to keep it going or to have a partner like you guys to keep it going, because I think it can be overwhelming for surgeons who just want to be surgeons. Right. And I certainly understand mm -hmm. that they studied a really long time to be a surgeon and they don't want to talk about marketing. And so therefore, you know, um, you know, we can help surgeons be surgeons and we can be marketers. But when the um, when the patient comes in the door, we can make sure we are ready to give them a quality experience. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And that's what it's all about. I think kind of joining powers. But yeah, that's the thing with social media. Like a lot of people, I really run the social media as far as it's my my face and name, but it is full team effort. It was just the the way we chose and kind of our marketing strengths, but it is my entropy team. It is him. It is our content. It's just, we picked a voice. And that's what I would say to doctors. 
is you can be the expert. It makes it easier to do it, but you can still work with your team. You're not the only one out there. It just, it helps followers are building that audience if it's consistent with one person or one voice versus if you're always switching off. So that's kind of what we talked about. And I just want to make sure the listeners understand a little bit of the difference. You don't want to flip flop too much or you'll have a hard time building. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on your podcast, you guys are the consistent ones on our podcast. Gabby is our consistent, right? We always have that consistency to make sure that, um, you know, the audience knows what they're getting. And, and, you know, it's really, it comes down to a brand promise. You know, we promise that you're going to get valuable content. The doctors are promising that they're going to get a great patient experience and great care experience. Um, And that's really at the heart of marketing. And then what you guys do and what we do is really about upholding that brand promise. But at the end of the day, you have to know who you are as a brand and, and make that promise and stick to it. Well, you know, we covered quite a lot of topics in today's conversation. So if we had to sum it up, just what is your biggest word of advice for organizations today for consumer driven healthcare landscapes? Uh, My biggest piece of advice is um, differentiate yourself by providing the most information and expertise. So it's not enough anymore to just be an orthopedic surgeon. You need to really educate patients through content about what makes it different, whether it's symptoms, conditions, or surgeries, or treatment. You need to really provide content that is full of information. So my biggest piece of advice is really use content to explain why you are the best in the business. I think mine's probably from an overarching standpoint is uh, kind of get with the times, uh, look at where you're lacking in using automation and technology and, and get on board. It, it's it's scary to, to introduce new things, but in the long run, it's what consumers are looking for. And then I think the other piece is understand uh, what you should do in-house and what you should bring in experts for, whether it's for marketing or it's for revenue cycle management or if it's for patient engagement software is is understand that that you need to leverage technology and you need to look at it every every quarter or, or, or kind of biannually and make sure you're leveraging that, but then also bring in experts to do what they do best so you can focus on patients. Yeah, hey, Justin, you took mine. Thanks. Um, but, but, you know, Excellent. Kelly, Kelly, I'm, I'm not going to come for you, come to you for knee surgery because that's <laughs> not your ex- area of expertise. And we need to make sure that, um, you know, we're going to the most expert doctor if we need knee surgery. And if we need sports medicine, that's an even more specialized knee surgery in the same way. Don't be afraid to seek out experts, whether it's in marketing or in patient engagement technology, Um, You know, I really think that there is a lot of strength in knowing what you're good at and then finding others to accentuate um, the places where you need a little help. And so um, I think that's what it's all about. And I think, Josh, to that, too, is be willing to listen if you're going to (laughs) hire experts. Listen. Uh, that, that would be it. Just like uh, just like any physician has the plenty of patients that won't listen to them, whether it's the rehab process or a, a determined treatment path or whatever it is, and those are frustrating you. If you bring somebody in from an expertise standpoint, and I speak from experience, but just generalization across the board is 
he listen to him and be willing to to adapt and learn. well if you don't do the rehab process after your surgery it's not going to be a success no matter how great that surgeon is yeah. the same is true medicine. with experts in other areas as well well that wraps up the conversation for today so thank you justin kelly and josh for being on this episode of dash talk today to talk about all kinds of challenges happening within the healthcare landscape and just ways that we can ultimately deliver the best patient experience and as always if you want to learn more please visit relation.com and look for this podcast wherever it is you get your podcast at thank you justin kelly and josh thank you very much thank Thanks you for having us.